0: What is up, Devils fans? It's your boy Neil Bell Piano. Make sure you check out the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Hammer Pork Roll to How Much We Hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts, or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo!
1: fans and welcome back to brits on bruins the show where two brits talk all things boston bruins as part of the hockey podcast network i am Oddman rush and joining me once again is of course chris gadsby hey chris hello how's it going today chris
0: yeah it's not well yeah in terms of bruins it's not great but yeah today's day's not too bad
1: yeah, I mean, I was gonna say like, should we hold like a moment of silence? Should we, should we like <laughs> like have a moment of silence for our fallen season? I mean, I I mean, in terms of teams to go out against, Tampa Bay isn't a bad team to lose to. They're looking like they could be a Stanley Cup champion this season, but you know, it sucks still because Boston were right up there. They could have done better. They should have done better in the eyes of lots of Bruins fans. But we we're, we're gonna take you through it over the next sort of half an hour or so have a little bit of discussion, It'll probably be a slightly shorter video to, uh, or episode I should say compared to um, the previous episodes we've done um, but just for context today is Saturday the 5th of September it feels weird recording this not on a Sunday doesn't it Chris
0: it does a bit yeah but uh, my sport's kicking back up again tomorrow so
1: oh how exciting I mean at least I you'll have something you'll have something to take your mind off the Boston Bruins being eliminated in the playoffs so I wouldn't I complain I know I can watch some women's preseason football hey exactly so uh <laughs> anyway speaking of the Bruins should we just get this game out of the way, Chris? Yeah, Cuz obviously we get it wasn't it over good. So obviously last episode we talked about games 1 through 4. Started off well, gradually got worse. Chris just put that final nail in the coffin, just take us through it, please.
0: Yeah, okay. So uh this is game 5. First period no goals at all. Second period Andre Palat again in this series uh puts the Tampa Bay Lightning 1-0 up at 4:21 in the second. Then David pasnak on the power play brought it back to one goal apiece. <coughs> that was at 12.38. Uh, then into the third period, uh, Anthony Corelli uh, at 12.03. So the Tampa Bay Lightning just eight minutes away there from the conference final spot. Um, but David Kreischer, his fourth of the uh, playoffs, pulled it back with just over two and a half minutes to go to send the game into overtime. Nothing happened in the first overtime. There were no goals. And the second overtime looked to be heading the same way until with five minutes and 50 seconds to go, Victor Hedman gave the Tampa Bay Lightning a 3-2 victory and a 4-1 series victory. In terms of the penalties, Zdeno Chara had a high stick in the first. Matt Grizzlick had a hooking call in the second And in the first overtime, David Krejci had a tripping call. But not many penalties, really. Uh, Let's look at the shots on goal. Uh, 8-5 in favour of Boston in the first. 15-8 in favour of Boston in the second. 12-8 in favour of Boston in the third. 11-7 in favour of Boston in the first overtime. And 1-7 in favour of Tampa Bay in the second overtime. So the only period where Tampa Bay outshoot the Boston Bruins and it is the crucial period where they get the victory. We did get David Crey into the third star though. So stats, uh 47 shots for the Bruins, 35 for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they are only 40 percent in the face off circle though, one for four on the penalty uh, on the power play, sorry, and four for four on the penalty kill with the eight penalty minutes. 53 hits to the Lightning's 56 and 34 block shots to the Lightning's 35. Natural, of course, with the game going into second overtime. What wasn't good, though, from a Bruins point of view, is 21 giveaways, which was uh, far from ideal. The takeaways as well. So uh, the Lightning had 12 giveaways when you compare that to the Bruins and uh, their 21. So the Lightning did... Much better at holding on to possession of the puck as well. They're just not brilliant there for the Bruins. Uh, the net-minding Halak had uh, 32 saves from 35 shots. That's a point nine one four save percentage. Was on the ice for 94 minutes. Um, but uh, yeah, 3-2 uh, the second overtime victory for the Tampa Bay Lightning and they take the series victory by four games to one. The only series, in fact, not to go to seven games.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's obviously a knock on kind of Boston's uh, work ethic. Well, not necessarily work ethic, but it's a knock on their performance in the the second round. That This was the only series that didn't go to seven games. And to be honest, I felt that this was the series most likely to go to seven games in my opinion it just goes to show you that you can have whatever predictions you want on paper you can have any sort of opinions on it but once the guys actually get out on the ice and the puck is dropped literally anything can happen I think obviously now that the Bruins have been eliminated in the second round there's lots of people going back on Tuka Rask and being like Rask you should have been with us it's your fault you did this which he didn't that's not true whatsoever would it have helped if Tukarask was in the bubble with them? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it would. But, I mean, if Tukarask was there, there'd still be an, an equal amount of fans saying that Tukarask isn't clutch enough in the playoffs and he's never good enough, he's never won a cup um, as the starting netminder. So you, those people would come out of the woodworks as opposed to these guys that are coming out of the woodworks. So it's kind of a, a lose-lose situation for a lot of these players, especially with a very, very dedicated fan base in the Boston Bruins. But I think you could tell with the, with the stats in this game that, there was a huge lot of desperation but the interesting thing is and fair play to the Tampa Bay Lightning they were able to match that desperation from the Boston Bruins and put up a decent performance I mean like you mentioned 47 shots how often have we seen the Bruins outshoot the Tampa Bay Lightning in this series by that huge of a margin it's usually the other way around we're usually seeing Halak having to stop a ton of shots and um, the defense having to block a load of shots. I mean, 34 blocks on the night as well. Tampa got 35, so they even won that battle as well. Like, they can't even block more shots than them in this game. You could just kind of get the sense that Tampa were thinking, look, we could kind of be a little bit more passive in this game. We could just kind of see if we can get the job done, but not risk too much. They felt, you know, we're just going to kill them off early, get a few extra days of rest so we can move on to the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe even make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. They they knew that the momentum was on their side and they used that to push them forwards and get this victory, which is, which is you've got to give credit to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Congratulations to them going through to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're a very strong team. And I think it's important to mention something we forgot pretty much last episode and maybe even the episode before. They've played this entire playoffs without Stephen Stamkos so far. Their first-line center isn't in the lineup at the moment, and they've still managed to beat the Boston Bruins in five games. They managed to beat the uh, um, the Columbus Blue Jackets, I think, in five games as well. So they've only lost two games this postseason so far, and they're without their first-line center. It just goes to show you how deep of a roster the Tampa Bay Lightning is. However, Chris, this wasn't the finest performance from the Boston Bruins. They, it's kind of like they did everything they possibly could. But they still couldn't come away with the victory because they were just playing a greater team. What are your thoughts when you saw the result of this game, Chris? I,
0: given the result of the last two games, I wasn't really that surprised. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the series as kind of a whole now. Um. The first two games they were really tight. Yeah. Uh, the Boston took the first game <clears throat> by a goal. Tampa Bay took the second game by a goal in overtime. The big turning point was that 7-1 game where I think it really kind of G'd the Lightning players up and went, yeah, okay, we've got this. We can do this. And Boston's heads, I think, just sank. Yeah. I mean, even just looking at the last three games, Tampa Bay limited Boston to four goals in effectively 11 periods of hockey. Mm. So in... What, 220 minutes of hockey, Boston scored four goals. Yeah. And in that same time, Tampa Bay scored 13. Yep. The aggregate score in in the last three games was 13-4.
1: And ultimately, you've got to score more goals than your opponent. That's kind of the very, very bare-bones... Um, way that the game is played, right? You have by the end of the game, you have to have scored more goals than your opponent. If you don't, you don't win the game. So, yeah, that, that's a really good point, actually. Although I do want to bring up the fact that, and I know this is kind of like a, a a small thing to bring up, and it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things now that the Bruins are out. But two of the losses that the Bruins took in this series were in overtime. There were two games that if the puck just bounced slightly differently, one one of other, other way than it did Tampa's way, if it bounced Boston's way. They would have been 3-1 up in the series at one point. Like, or, or they'd be at least 2-2 tied in the series or something like that. Do, do you think that had an effect on them? The fact that they just couldn't close it away in overtime? Because they managed to do it in the first game, I'm pretty sure. Uh, let me see if I can find this. No, a, so the only two overtime games were game two of the series, which if they'd won it in overtime would have put them up 2-0 two, two in the series. And then um, game four of the series, game five of the series, sorry. So it would have put them up you know, 3-2 in the series or or uh, or even like 3-1 if they'd managed to have a better showing one of the games before, you know? So those two, I mean, the, 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 the tying game of the series for the Tampa Bay Lightning early on, game two, win it in overtime, tie the series up, don't lose a game after that, which we said was going to be quite an important part when we look back on it. And also the double overtime win, which sealed the series. Do, do you think the fact that Boston couldn't get it done in overtime uh, killed their series essentially do you think that was kind of like the final indication that they weren't in a position to beat this team it, it might be
0: part of it but yeah. i think that tampa bay just had boston's number yeah um they won you know they they won this series by 4 games to 1 and they beat boston in the placement group before we went into the the playoff best of 7s yeah so they've played what, well, six games against this team since going into the bubble, and they've won five of them. Mm. So I think it is a lot of it. I think is the the Lightning just had Boston's number for for a great part. Yes, I'm. I am kind of the same as you in that. I'm. See, I am not blaming Tukarsk at all, but no. I think him not being there did have an impact. Oh, it did. Absolute, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, it had an impact.
1: I, I mean, Bruce Cassidy came out and said that obviously they had to change things up a little bit because of the fact that. Tukarask wasn't in the bubble. Obviously, they completely supported his decision, as most normal human beings do. However, when you lose your starting netminder like that, that does have an impact. And that's no way saying that we blame Tukarask for this. Not at all. I mean, obviously, it would have been great if he was in the bubble and there wasn't that family emergency that he had. And in an ideal scenario, he would have been in the net. The team would have known. They wouldn't have had that kind of jump out at them early in the in the first series of the playoffs. You could also make the argument that by series two, you knew who your starting netminder was going to be. So, you know, like you could, you, you know, you can kind of plan your game plan uh, uh, around Yaroslav Halak, who is a perfectly capable NHL goaltender. Let's not forget that he was put in this series against one of, if not the highest scoring team in the national hockey league last season. Like that, that was a baptism of fire for him as their like legitimate starter for round two. Don't you think Chris? It is. And I think that the, it, doesn't help him again because
0: he when they lost their first netminder so tampa if vasileski had a bad game yeah they could have given him a day's rest just to help him out yeah true whereas the uh boston I mean yeah okay so vassileski did he played all five games against Boston, all five against us, uh, Columbus, and all and the game, you know, the free placement game. So he has played every single game. Yeah, but he, they had the option of if he was to have a bad game, they could have taken him out. Yeah. Whereas Boston, as we saw in the seven-one game, Halak just isn't with it for one night for whatever reason. And yes, okay, they swapped him out, but it doesn't really help matters when the person you've got to bring in has never played an NHL game before, and you're yeah. bringing him in against a team that is as has the firepower that Tampa Bay do.
1: I I think you've also got to give Vladar credit there in the sense that, um, you know, like it, you mentioned that he hadn't played an NHL game before. At that point, the game was pretty much sealed. So it it was he was essentially coming in to try and see if there was any slither of a possibility that the Bruins could come back in this game with a new goaltender and kind of reset it halfway through the game. But at that point, it was like four one or something, wasn't it? Like they they yeah. had they had a mountain to climb in that game. So I don't like I know you're not doing this, but I don't think we can put the blame on Vladar for how that game went. You know? Oh yeah, no, not putting yeah, it on him. In exactly, the the yeah.
0: My one, my, I'm what I'm saying is is that they've lost that firepower. You know yeah. if if Halak had come out and Rask had gone in, perhaps, I mean, I know it made no difference because Boston didn't score, but perhaps he wouldn't have conceded the fifth, sixth and seventh goals. Of course, we never know. Mm. But, and it it just puts more pressure on Halak because you're effectively, all season long, it's been this one-two pairing of play a game, back up for a game, play a game, back up for a game. And all of a sudden, it's all on you. Mm. You've got to play at least 16 if you're going to win the cup playoff games at full high intensity and it's all on you to, which to, for, yeah, for I somebody mean, like Vasilevsky who has been doing it all season he's kind of used to it but I think it I, I don't know if it unsettled Halak perhaps it did perhaps it didn't and I know like I say he's still a completely um capable netminder. but I think just there is going to be that bit in the back of his head that just goes, you know, it's all on me. There's no one else. I've got to perform every night. And it was understandably quite a bit of pressure.
1: Uh, yeah, I completely agree. And sort of Halak, I mean, obviously he didn't have the greatest series. He was going up against one of the most offensively gifted teams in the National Hockey League this season. And for the last few seasons, we might add, obviously their their uh, how their playoffs ended last year wasn't ideal for them, but they are still one of the most offensively talented teams in the league. <clears throat> it's one of those situations where you look at this and go, okay, where where did everything go wrong? I think is where people wanted wanted to know. And, and you were talking about some of these like what-if scenarios. Fans that their teams miss out on the cup, it always becomes immediately the two things happen. Fingers start to get start pointing at certain players or certain officials or sort of certain teams to be like, You cost us the victory there, it's your fault, which is a really interesting thing. It's a team effort. Like you could make the argument, Oh, if they scored the goal within the first minute, then they might have won the game if if this person made a pass properly within this scenario. Like they, they always seem to find like one very key moment late in the game that's like the reason they lost the game when you could make the argument about any any moment in any hockey game as to why a team may win or may or may not win a game so first of all there's always that finger pointing it's like oh well rask you weren't in the bubble with us it's your fault we lost you were our number one guy and you let us down the other thing that happens is the what ifs like you mentioned chris kind of sitting there going ah oh, but what if Tukarask was in the net what if halak did make that save what if Parsenak wasn't injured for the first few games of, of the carolina series and he was healthy what if uh, Richie didn't take a really bad penalty? What if this didn't happen? What if that didn't happen? So let's just take a look at this series and kind of the playoffs in general, Chris. Where did everything go wrong? I want Before we say that, though, I want to just mention a good thing that Boston did. They scored a power play goal in every single game of the series, which is against a Tampa Bay Lightning team, which are stacked up and down their lineup. That's an impressive feat to do. So for five straight games, they scored a power play goal, which shows The Tampa Bay Lightning aren't invincible. They have ways that you can beat them, whether it be on the scoreboard and the final scoreboard or whether it be, you know, scoring a key power play goal against them. The Boston Bruins were able to do that night in, night out. However, everything else kind of went wrong for them as the season went on or the uh, the series went on and they couldn't quite get the win. So take... You've obviously mentioned the fact that... um, Uh, what was it you mentioned, Uh, Halak obviously coming in and kind of being expected to be the number one guy, which he's had experience of before, but you know he probably wasn't expecting that as he was going into the bubble. He was expected to be the the backup guy. You've mentioned the fact that they just didn't score enough goals over the last few games. Their penalty kill for the most part was pretty good. There were a couple of games here and there where it wasn't very good, especially that 7-1 game. But is there anything else that jumps out to you, Chris, to kind of be the reason or a reason as to why Boston lost this series? Um.
0: Well, the, the, I mean, you know me and, and the people on the, the Brits on Bruins that have listened to us all year know me that I love kind of the number crunching and the, yeah. and the stats around it. Mm. So I'm just going to look at the first round and the second round. This was always going to be a really tough series. Yes. So in the 10 games that both the Bruins and the Lightning have played, but I'll look at the Lightning first. In the 10 playoff games, so in the first round and the second round, the Lightning have scored 33 goals. So they are averaging 3.3 goals a game. Yeah. So you need to score four goals most of the time to even have a chance. Mm. Now, in the 10 games that the Bruins have played in the playoffs, they've only scored four twice in game one against Carolina and game four against Carolina. So... In two games out of ten, they've scored the four goals that, on average, you need to beat Tampa Bay. Okay. So, 80% of the time, Mm -hmm. they're going to fall down. So, four games out of five, they're not going to have enough to win. What happened here? Four games out of five, they lost. Yeah. So, it was always going to be tough when you go in needing, like, three, four goals, pretty much, to stand a chance. I mean, they needed... So, they needed three goals in game one. They would have needed five in game two. They'd have needed eight in game three. They'd have needed four and four in game four and five. Mm. So it was always going to be difficult, particularly when we had, as I said, the offense just wasn't really working. Uh, Pasnak had the first few games out. Um, and then the flip side, they won, well, because they lost the pre season game, the three games in the placement group and then four games here in five. So they've only won, what, five games out of 14? They just weren't, I think since they got into the bubble, you know, they they lost the first four games. Yes, okay, they beat Carolina, but they lost every game in the placement group against the teams that we knew we would be facing at this stage of the competition. Mm. And I just, I'm something, whether, you know, players being injured, it unsettled the squad, whether some of the squad weren't, completely comfortable uh, they, there could be a mountain of things but it just wasn't the same Boston side that we had from the regular season all year that was then in this bubble there was just something about them the the power play yes it was still good but it wasn't as effective as we've known yeah the the face-off percentage yes okay it was it was all right they were giving the puck away left right and center I mean 21 mm. in this game yeah I mean that would that would be a big part of it um, I mean, as I said, I'd be interested for kind of possession stats because that when you look at it themselves and you think, well, we get the puck, but we've given it away a lot. We don't really take it away from the opponents. Yes, we're having a lot of shots, but we're not scoring a lot of goals. I mean, we're at we were at what two goals in nearly fifty shots? So we're at like 3%, three percent, three four percent shooting in this in this game, whereas the Lightning are only just shy of ten percent. Mm. It's and there's there's a multitude of, of things I do think that not having halak was a uh, uh, sorry not having rask was a was a big part of it yeah not um just for the, the the mentality of the team I think not only did it impact on Halak, I think it probably impacted the defense as well because they yep. felt the pressure to get in front of shots a lot more yeah um and probably you know it as a knock-on effect affected the forwards because they felt like they needed to score more Mm. Um, so I think it it did have an impact throughout throughout the whole team. Um, but I think everybody would have done what um what Rask did in his situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it. I think it's just one of these things where you say, okay, circumstances mean it. It wasn't our year, and yep. you've got to put a line under it and try and go again in uh,
1: October. I I guess for Bruins fans, considering they've come close in the Stanley Cup Finals several times over the last decade or so, it's kind of like, okay, well, we've had this year after year after year. When is our year, you know, which I, I can understand the frustrations there from Bruins fans, especially since it's been almost 10 years now since they last won the Cup. They've been to the finals twice more since then. And I mean, even last year, game seven lost. They were that close to winning another cup, and they just couldn't do it. So it makes you wonder, like, okay, so with this core of players, when is our year? You know, we are a competitive team, but for some, for one reason or another, we're we're not good enough to win the cup. And I I think something that we've mentioned throughout the season and throughout the playoffs that I I think is really a, a key reason that I you touched on a little bit, but I want to elaborate slightly further is the fact that we've said all year long if the if the opposing team can shut down the other team if they if the opposing team can shut down boston's depth players then and boston becomes kind of a one-line team for scoring <clears throat> or specialty teams for scoring then the other team's more likely to win and that's exactly what tampa bay did here like if you look at all the goals that were scored in the uh, bruins um tampa bay series most of them were scored by either the first power play unit that first line there weren't many goals from the the third line barely any goals from the fourth line so once again the though they scored on the power play every single game which is a good stat to have it means you're consistent that you know how to kind of game plan against their penalty kill when it's even strength those depth players don't show up or they're or they're being shut down by the depth of the tampa bay lightning who have a very deep roster like Give credit where credit is due. Tampa have a very strong roster on all sides of the pug. They have a fantastic netminder in between the pipes. They have a really good defensive core and they have a really solid forward core which gives them production up and down the lineup which is what we've seen. It's kind of like you look at Tampa and you go that's what Boston should be because they have those players that are capable of doing it but when it matters most apparently they couldn't get the job done which is a shame. And then kind of to finish off the other thing that you mentioned was some of the injuries to the lineup. Now, I want to go into this in a little bit more detail because, first of all, um, there's one that I want to kind of make sure is aware. Um, Chris Wagner, it turns out that he was suffering from an irregular heartbeat during the uh, Tampa Bay series. Um, And it's supposedly during game four um, that he started to feel his heart kind of pounding a little bit more than usual. And he just felt that something wasn't quite right. So, I mean, I want to give him a pass for that. Like, that's not Like, I feel like he was in a game and then something happened. You can't fault the guy for kind of going out for game five and a regular heartbeat. It's something that you've got to be like, okay, that needs to go get checked out. That's like a a legitimate health thing you need to go and figure out. But some of the other things that have been mentioned is um, Bruce Cassidy came out after the playoffs and mentioned that David Pasternak had been playing through a lower body injury during the playoffs. Sean Corrales wasn't able to make it into the final game of the series or the final few games because he was battling through injuries. I the, the, it's I kind of don't see it in the perspective of the Boston Bruins, but in in a way I do. That teams we've seen it with a lot of the playoff teams that get eliminated from the postseason. A lot of teams will then afterwards be like, oh well, this guy was battling through a really bad injury. This player was was you know struggling through this injury and that's why he wasn't productive. But he he wanted to be out on the ice. I know hockey players are warriors, and I know like I have a tremendous amount of respect for the fact that some of them will push through that if they know that they can help their team win and kind of like a, a a brief moment of pain is worth a lifetime of glory and all of that stuff I believe Patrice Bergeron said something like that once in the locker room but you've got to look at it this way as well if you're not 100% ready to go in the game you could compromise your team's chances of victory just as much as you could help their team's chance of victory you could say that about a healthy player as well also but a David Pasternak if he's not playing 100% and he's not being as productive as he usually is that means the first line, the first scoring line is, is has reduced effectiveness. And if that's the only line that's producing points and they can't get the job done because Parsonac is battling through a nagging injury, that's going to make things even more difficult. It kind of feels like you're fighting yourself as much as you are the Tampa Bay Lightning in some ways. Not to put this all on Parsonac, obviously, like he still had a very good series considering he was battling through this injury. But Chris, I kind of want to To finish off this podcast, I kind of want to present the question to you. You've heard that some of the guys have dealt with injuries during the the Tampa Bay series and during the playoffs. Some of them played through some of these injuries. What is your thoughts on teams coming out after the playoffs and being like, oh, by the way, this player was suffering through this or this or that or the other? Do you think it's a case of the coaches are trying to cover up some of the mistakes that some of the players might make and kind of using it as a way to go, Look, they didn't play how they were supposed to, but we're kind of giving them a pass because they were injured. Or is it a way to kind of be like, look, this is actually what we've been going through? Obviously, you can't see that on the or like when the game's actually being played. You don't really care when the game's being played. You just want to see them score a goal or or make that key save. Like, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? It's kind
0: of a lose lose situation for Cassidy and, and the Bruins organization, really, because of course, they don't want to say it before the series because you don't want to give. The other team, ammunition, and to go after you know if they said oh by the way Pasternak's suffering with a little bit of a niggle you can guarantee that the hits on Pasternak would have been twice as hard yeah true yeah to to try and weaken him even more but then you when you wait till after the series you will have groups of fans who go when well, you're just making excuses now yeah exactly and yes okay they you know they may well have been legitimately injured but what honestly what boston i guess were hoping is that they get through the series they win the cup and then it doesn't really matter and probably nobody ever needs to know yeah exactly um and but then from their point of view the fans are going well what happened and the organization are going well these were contributing factors but you've got to try and do it in a way that it doesn't sound as though it's an excuse and that's a Mm -hmm. really difficult thing to do particularly when you've got you know, very emotional fans as we have seen on social media yes. they are very vocal about a lot of things yes um, that they think you're just making excuses but I think it's it's got to get to the point where you're like right okay this year wasn't our year yes okay the fans are a little bit irate that they always seem to come close but not quite get it but what you've got to remember is that this is the best league in the world with the best players in the world and every single team is trying for the same things and it's not going to be easy. Yes, okay, it's been almost 10 years now since you lifted the cup, but there's some teams that have been
1: 50 years. Yep, some, since, teams, have, since some the- teams have never won it, <laughs> you know. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, it's, you know, I, the time will come again, I think, but it's just, I think you've just got to chalk this one up as a year where it didn't quite come together yes you can always look back and go if we didn't have the break we were a much better team back then it might have been different but you know the season will come around again there will be other opportunities this wasn't a once in a lifetime thing that they have thrown away this time next year we might all be celebrating oh yeah
1: that's a very good point um just kind of to wrap up that bit do you think that Bruce Cassidy and kind of the, the coaching staff or the players should come out and say it immediately after they lose the series to be like, oh, we've been injured. Like, do you think they should leave it a few weeks, a few months? Do you think they should just kind of like rip the band-aid off immediately when they announce this injury news? Because obviously the closer to the time you do it, the more emotional the fans are going to be. If you leave it that kind of, you know, two weeks, three weeks, maybe even a month afterwards, and you're like, oh, it turns out David Parsenak was playing with a lower body injury during the playoffs. Do you, do you feel like then the, the, the emotions will have kind of settled a little bit and everyone will have come back down to reality and accepted the fact that, okay, we're not going through to the conference finals this year and then they can be a little bit more level-headed about the way that they see things or do you think it's better to kind of rip the band-aid off and go, okay, like, let, let's get this out of the way now. You can kind of tell us what you think, but this was the situation that we had and you've got to take it for what it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a bit of both. I mean, I'm sure I've seen examples before of teams where you know they do press conferences in the preseason of of the next year and the player goes oh yeah well i've been working hard in the gym because i struggled with an injury during the playoffs last year and, and yeah. throughout the summer mm. and then everyone's like oh okay maybe that's a reason um i think maybe waiting i think is better the problem is is that obviously um, as soon as it happens in the initial storm you've got fans going we want answers give us answers now yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know the organization in the, in this situation can never win but uh, yeah go again
1: uh, go again in the next year yeah pretty much and obviously speaking about next year we've got some very key players to the Boston Bruins roster where they may or may not be coming back next year whether it be some of the older more veteran guys on the roster whether it's some of the more guys in their prime Tory Krug, Zdeno Chara—they've all, they've both come out and had a few things to say regarding their futures in the NHL. And I think that would be a really good place to pick up next episode as we kind of go into our first off-season episode. I mean, we're kind of lucky in this regard because Chris, most of the teams have already been doing off-season episodes for the past three months. Or, or since the end of the season so you know the fact that we're starting ours now it's kind of a blessing in disguise really isn't it, it is it
0: a little bit yeah we uh, and we've been we've been doing plenty of kind of episodes throughout the throughout the pause so we've got plenty of ideas to keep you entertained until next season
1: oh exactly and i think the fact that as we get closer and closer to the draft and free agency and everything like that and with with the situation that the roster is in that we've obviously talked about during the pause before the playoffs we've got plenty of stuff to talk about and there'll be plenty of news that comes out so don't worry guys the Bruins may be out of the playoffs but you'll still get some Boston Bruins content. And on that note, we are going to end today's episode of Brits on Bruins. Thank you everyone so much for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you want to keep updated on all things Brits on Bruins or send us your thoughts, opinions or questions, either from today's show or for our next show, then you can follow us on Twitter at Brits on Bruins. And if you enjoyed listening to either or both of your hosts today, which of course you did, it's us, then you can follow either myself on Twitter at oddmanrushyt or Chris at Chris underscore Gadsby. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll see you again next time. Have a good one, folks.